This is SAFM. And this is the Enviro Show. First up, we're talking about solar farming. But first up, let me also say that if you'd like to join us, you would be most welcome. If you've got burning questions, especially if we're talking about solar farming, if you'd like to join us, you can do that. The number is 0892 10 Do feel free to join in. So solar farming. Well, AEG Power Solutions South Africa has partnered with local solar developer to build a very large grid-connected solar farms which aim to generate an alternative source of power in sub-Saharan Africa. Business Development Director is uh, MG or Power, AG Power Solutions. Trevor de Vries says that the company and uh, Rito Solar, I think it is, have identified up to 20 large solar farms ranging between 5 megawatts and 20 megawatts in South Africa, Botswana and Namibia. So we've got the neighbours on board as well. Yes, nice little sunny spots we've got there. Yep. So uh, let's let's start off with a solar farm, Trevor. Thanks very much for coming in. Nice to have you here and live and in the flesh. Pleasure, yep. <laughs> um, solar farming, when I heard the expression solar farming I thought whoa that sounds so big we're moving right off people's panels on top of their rooftops and we're going big here just describe to us what a solar farm is okay so <clears throat> you're quite correct we're going very very big and um, when we talk about uh, solar farming we're talking about ground mount photovoltaics or PV uh, usually a minimum of one megawatt but um, for the for the purposes of South Africa going up to 75 megawatts so the government here has just launched a program called the uh, IPP Tender, or the Independent Power Producers uh, Tender, where they encourage and invite people to bid uh, on, a, on a solar farm to identify an area to build a solar farm, a ground-mount solar farm, and then uh, put the energy back onto the grid. So we're talking about a minimum of 3,500 hectares for a 1 megawatt uh, a power plant. Uh, this is a significant business. Um, it consists of a lot of components, a lot of construction, build various components, and of course uh, we are heavily involved in one of the key components, which is the inverters. Mm. And so then, just hold it right there because we'll get onto inverters and the definition thereof in just a minute. But three and a half thousand hectares for one megawatt farm. Correct. Well, th sorry, th uh, three and a half hectares. Oh, oh, three, yeah, oh yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, well, what? <laughs> no, no. That's half the country. No, well, not really. Three and a half hectares. Correct. Okay. Per megawatt okay. is, a, is okay. a rough estimate, yeah. Right. Because I'm just thinking, well, that changes up my whole framing of that question because I was thinking, whoa, how much land are we looking at here? Um, but then having said that, you're identifying large solar farms all across the country, Botswana and Namibia. Well, for the purpose of uh, what we're doing here is we're focusing predominantly on the southern African region. The bulk of those power plants will be built in the Northern Cape, where there is lots and lots of sunshine. Mm -hmm. um, and, and lots and lots of open space. Yes, indeed. And um, the good news there is you've got a lot of farming areas that are water-restricted, uh, and so the land is pretty much useless in certain areas. As long as you've got uh, close proximity to the national grid and a substation, you are then able to build a very large PV plant and sell that energy back into Eskom, which benefits the country, because as you know, we have a huge problem with lack of power in mm. South Africa. Mm. And so renewables is there to uh, 
to stabilize the grid and uh, indeed um, give us the power that we need for economic growth. Mm, so all those cattle farmers who are needing desperate amounts of water, they can, uh, they can ditch the cattle and go for solar farming. <laughs> Obviously not quite that easy, but we are looking at, we're not looking far off that really, we're looking at land, we're looking at uh, the right sort of land, location in this case is all, and hot and dry is what you want. That's correct, and uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we certainly in those parts of the countries, um, they talk about a direct non-irradiation level, which essentially is the amount of sunshine per square meter, and there you're looking at rates that are three times higher than that in Germany, for example. Uh, and Germany is the solar capital of the world. So we are really sitting on a gold mine. So for, for essence, for the, the same uh, size uh, PV plant, uh, we're getting three times the yield uh, because of the Northern Cape is, uh, is, is full of sun. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, it's not only the Northern Cape. We have uh, solar farms being built up the west coast of Cape Town. Um, uh, crook up in the northern province and so South Africa lends itself to uh, to photovoltaics. Mm. So it's quite ironic that you should use a phrase like we're already sitting on a gold mine I and mean, we are sitting on gold mines that's exactly what we do here in South Africa but we're, this is an alternative sort of gold mine that will hopefully make us stop digging up you know what's in the ground but is it a very uh, is it a very costly business i mean you know it's we've established x amount of land is required what about the the panels themselves the arrays themselves is it a very costly plant yes indeed uh, you know it's the only way that a large-scale PV plant can work is through a government subsidy. So it is absolutely necessary that uh, policy uh, is put in place to ensure um, the success of these PV plants. Um, the solar panels make up the bulk of the cost simply because of the number of them. You know, on a 75 megawatt plant, you're looking at a million solar panels. The cost is astronomical. So then you've got the cost of the cabling, the inverters, uh, the design and build of the uh, solar park, the security. Um, so putting something like this together takes, takes a lot of time. Uh, there's environmental impact assessment studies. There's a tremendous amount of effort. And um, what happened was, uh, to give you an idea of the scope of this, uh, in December last year, the government awarded the first 28 bidders uh, for renewable plants in the country. That's, that's not just solar, that extends to wind and biogas and the rest of them. Um, they then gave them six months um, to uh, close those deals in what we call financial closure. Um, through various reasons they were delayed and uh, two weeks ago they announced financial closure and signed the purchase power agreements with these, um, these companies. The value of those contracts is around 50 billion rand. So this gives you an idea of the cost involved in building mm -hmm. uh, renewables. 50 billion, yeah, but that's not, I mean, that's wind and biogas as well. Correct, I mean, that's, that's the not, total. Where, where does, where does uh, you know, in the, in the pie, um, how big is the solar component? Um, the government's allocated around 8.5 gigawatts of solar for up to the year 2030 and the equivalent amount of wind. And then, of course, biogas and hydro and the rest of them form a smaller component of that. But certainly wind and uh, solar take the lion's share. Mm. Are, we, are we geared for this? Do we have the technical know-how? It certainly sounds from what you're saying like, like we do. But are we able to produce all the equipment locally or are we having to import that? Because that could 
impact quite significantly, couldn't it? Nibble up some of that 50 billion. Indeed, and a very good question. Um, yeah, I mean, most of the uh, the inverters uh, certainly are imported. Uh, we've set up a factory in Cape Town to build them locally. We are mm. the first in South Africa to do so, specifically for the uh, for the IPP tender. Um, but yes, those uh, the rest of those inverters would be imported. Uh, most of the solar panels are imported. However, there's two uh, manufacturers in the country uh, that are able to produce them here in Cape Town, in fact. Um, but the bulk of the components would come from uh, overseas, would yeah. be imported. So the idea of setting the factory up in, uh, in Cape Town was to, um, uh, was to enable the developers of these PV plants to, uh, to, to um, meet the minimum requirements of their tenders. The government is very, very clear that they want the money to stay in South Africa. Mm. And so the way they allocate these, uh, these uh, uh, power purchase agreements is a 70% price. Obviously, that's, uh, it's, it's a tariff that is bid down. Uh, and 30% uh, then is economic development. And within the economic development scorecard, you've got things like management and social development and local content and black economic empowerment. And so it is absolutely crucial that you meet the minimum thresholds in that scorecard to enable you to bid. Mm. So we, we have put the factory in place significant expense to assist developers in meeting those criteria. Uh, in round one, it wasn't too much of an issue because it was undersubscribed in terms of the bid. Rounds two and three, however, uh, has been oversubscribed and the threshold for local content has increased from 35% up to 45%, uh, with the target going as, as high as 65%. This is burgeoning business, isn't it? And we've only, only just begun. Well, we haven't really only just begun. Obviously, it's been going for some little while. Two things. I don't want to forget the inverters. I want to find out exactly what an inverter is. And the other thing is, once all the, all the equipment has been set up, it must be pretty low maintenance. It's not, it doesn't require watering. It doesn't require a whole lot of looking <laughs> after. Well, maybe it does. But just explain a, an inverter. Just explain how that works, if it's possible to do it okay. in simple um, terms. Uh, so just going back, the, the, the maintenance on PV pox is pretty high. Is it? Uh, oh, but it's, okay. it's because of all sorts of other reasons. But anyway, so uh, inverter... The inverter is the heart of the system. So, so what that does is the PV panels will generate DC power from the sun. Okay, uh, that DC power is then fed into an inverter and then inverted to AC power, which is usable energy that can be then fed back into the Eskom grid. Um, it's metered, and then you are paid per kilowatt hour that you put back onto Eskom. Very lucrative business. Um, the inverters are measured on efficiencies, certainly, is, is, is one of the key measurables. Um, and uptime. In inverters down, you can, you can literally measure your downtime in kilowatt hours. So it's crucial to keep them running, to maintain them. Um, of course, the PV panels are, are, are crucial. <laughs> Without them, it wouldn't work. Uh, they have a lifespan. They do. The, the lifespan of a PV park is around 20 years. That's the minimum that you have to guarantee your equipment for, uh, and that's typically what the financiers regard as bankable. Uh, so 20 years is the lifespan. Uh, however, to, to achieve that, you need uh, a lot of maintenance. Yeah. You, you, it's a continuous process of maintaining not, maintaining, sorry, not only the inverters, um, but the panels lose efficiencies. They need to be cleaned regularly. The grass has to be cut, so we employ a lot of sheep. <laughs> and, uh, and hopefully a lot of people. Yes, indeed. Well, I mean, that's, that's the whole reason why we established the factory is the government is very clear 
um, on job creation. And um, the, when you're looking at a PV plant specifically, most of the jobs are created uh, at the build stage. So the first three months, three or four months when you're building that power plant is when you'll employ uh, most of the staff. It then tapers off uh, extensively uh, and the operational maintenance thereof requires a lot less people. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to encourage um, those skills to stay in the country by encouraging people like AEG manufacturers to develop factories uh, to build these components. How, how skilled are we? I mean, you mentioned that uh, Germany are really leading the way on this one, but it, we've got the raw ingredient once again, South Africa, what Southern Africa is scoring here. Have we got enough people in the know? Because it, little by little, as you're talking, it's beginning to sound like quite an expensive business. Are we busy sending people overseas to get the know-how? You yourself were in IT before you moved into solar. Yeah. Uh, good, good switch, if I may say <laughs> yes, so. Um, are, are there a lot of people newly discovering this? Um, yeah, I mean, the skills are a problem, um, and a lot of our customers are international customers uh, wishing to invest in the region, and um, so they're looking for skills from project management to engineering uh, to manufacturing. Certainly, setting up the factory was a challenge. We had to find those skills locally. We did. Uh, we sent them to Germany for extensive training, so... Um, they are now skilled uh, in renewables, in production, um, but certainly the government is committed, and certainly the Western Cape, through the 110% Green Initiative, uh, to encourage skill, local skill development within the renewable space. Say somebody were to wave a magic wand and all the farms that are, uh, you know, are anticipated were suddenly up and running all in one go, would we be able to fuel ourselves? Would we have to meet our energy demands by solar alone? What percentage, in other words, is, is this lot going to offer us? Yeah, okay, so, so the, the, the government has targeted a total of 21 gigawatts of energy by 2030 coming from renewables. That is, that is, that is quite a significant figure considering uh, the total capacity, elect electrical capacity in the in the country at the moment is 43,000 megawatts. So, so yes, the importance here is that um, specifically PV, we can generate power at source. Uh, as you know, most of the electricity in this country comes from 12 f uh, fossil fuel power stations up in uh, Mpumalanga area, and the energy is fed down to the rest of the country. Um, by installing uh, certainly solar and wind on the coast, you're able then to inject power in those areas where there is no power. And so, so yes, it, it provides a significant amount of energy into the grid uh, and it provides the stabilization that, that's required. Just briefly, and I'm not quite sure about this one, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, I have heard... Uh, just recently, I heard somebody phoned in. We were talking about solar power or alternative energies generally, and they were sort of uh, suggesting that it might not be as cost-effective and it may not be the answer. The downside, I mean, be honest, the, the downside to solar farming is what? Uh, well, certainly uh, the cost, upfront cost, and the uh, process of applying and signing for a purchase power agreement is extensive. Um, you know, to get your purchase power agreement, you are looking at a two to three year process up front of permitting, of uh, land acquisition, of env environmental impact assessment studies. Um, the actual bid that goes in, I believe, is between six and eight thousand pages. So it is very, very onerous. Um, 
So, and the cost, obviously, the cost is is a is a tremendous factor. Um, so this is not for small scale farmers. No, no, this is this is this is large scale, and it's a significant event for South Africa, mm. and uh, certainly um, without a tariff, it would not exist. Um, but what's happening is, as the cost of Eskom electricity goes up. 15% year on year, or in fact, I think they announced it 16% uh, annually. We're looking at 2015 as a levelized cost of electricity, which means, in layman's terms, that the cost of solar will be the equivalent to the cost of Eskom. So that's really when solar comes into its own, because people would start investing in solar for their own use. They do not have to then go to the government for a, for a tariff or for a contract. Uh, they can in simply install it and, and use the energy for themselves. You know, this is really the language of the future, isn't it? We're all going to have to start getting used to this now. Uh, you've got a website here, which is www.aegps.com. Will people find out more info on that? Yes, indeed. I mean, most of the information is there. Um, they can certainly contact us at the factory if they're looking for, for more information. Uh, that's on the website as well, and okay. in South Africa. And, uh, you know, we've, we, we conduct factory tours, and uh, we can certainly show them around. Excellent. Well, I've no doubt we'll be hearing a whole lot more about solar farming. <laughs> Trevor, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely fascinating. My eyes are sort of starting to boggle just with all those statistics. Trevor de Vries, he's uh, MD of AEG Power Solutions Southern Africa. And if you would like to find out more, do check it out, www.aegps.com, and we'll put that up on our Facebook page. That's the Enviro Show on SAFM. Right, AEGPS, something to remember if you're into solar energy. Well, next, moving on very smartly to where the sun fairly consistently shines, to Swaziland, where they've been, uh, where they've been keeping the secret of the marula tree at a company called Swazi Secrets, and what they're doing there is producing skincare products. Well, earlier I found out a little bit more. I spoke to services manager Sindile Mamba. So around February each year, the marula fruits are eagerly gathered by Swazi Rua women as an important source of income. First, they will use it to make the, the bukanu, which is known as a traditional Swazi Peru, of which they sell to the local communities as their source of income. 